Reading from the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The kids are invited to Kids Church with Kelly this morning. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So this um, Sunday, I, I threw off the lectionary. Now, a couple of you might remember this. Several years ago, um, Christmas 2 fell on New Year's Day. And so I said, Kelly, let's cancel kids' church, and I'll preach on the murder of the innocents. Um, and we'll just expect not a lot of people to be there, and this, that, and the other. And it was packed, and there were lots of kids. And I learned my lesson then, never to, to mess with, with these things. But one of the reasons, if you're, if you're chronologically going, we move backwards in time, right? Like, we're hearing about the prophecy in Isaiah of Emmanuel, and we're hearing about this visit with Joseph before Jesus is born. But one of the things that I wanted to do was try and get into what does it mean to proclaim God with us? What does this language of Emmanuel mean in its depths and greatness? Because that's what the Christmas season is about, is that God has come and taken residency up with us. That God has moved into the world in the opening of John. That Jesus is God incarnate in the world, reconciling the world. And as in the, in, the, in the Nicene Creed, which we've been reciting, for us and for our salvation. And so I, I often turn, as, as many of you may know, on, on Christmas season towards St. Athanasius on the Incarnation, which is a book that comes around from the 3rd or 4th century, but it proclaims much of the depth of what it means for God to be with us. Um, but last year, um, I found myself reading in in um, Church Dogmatics by uh, Karl Barth. This, this is volume 21 of 31. So as you do, you just dive into those things. And it was just the first part of this, um, this section. The first part of the first section is titled God With Us. Um, and the, the paragraph that is on the top of that is on the back of the bulletin. He Bart for each of these sections, 
The section I'll be from is section 57, in case you want to revisit it at home later. Um, is, is, uh, uh, he writes a paragraph to sort of condense what he's going to say, and then he lays it out. And what he said about God with us really struck me as it moved from God with us to us with God. And what does it mean that God comes to us, and how does that make in us with God? So he has seven points, and I'm, these sermons, when I try to do these, um, St. Augustine has this phrase in his Psalms commentaries, I, I only teach what feeds me. Um, I only teach what's been beneficial to me. So this has been beneficial to me, and I'm going to try and condense it and give it back uh, in a positive way. The, the phrase that I, w- I want to consider for this morning is, is um, man, I practiced it, kerygma. Uh, uh, I always go with the K too hard. Kerygma. The kerygma is the proclamation. Now, this proclamation, kerygma, is this Greek word in the New Testament. And it's often that this proclamation is what is being talked about. And one of the things I think we hear in Emmanuel, God with us, is not just something that is um, just a, a plain fact or something like that, but it is a proclamation of something that God has done in the world. So the focus of the sermon, one of the friends, when I, my friends who I told I was going to do this, they were like, my friends, uh, <laughs> it was like, interesting thought, <laughs> good luck. Um, but I said, I want to bend the whole thing towards the proclamation. The proclamation that Joseph hears that comes in Isaiah, that there is this word, Emmanuel, that proclaims God with us. And that proclamation, and we talked about this a little bit with the word evangelion or, or good news in, in um, Galatians, is, is the announcement of something that's been done. It's the announcement of something that's happened. It's not just if you believe it or cherish it or this, that, and the other, but it's a proclamation of what God has done. And in that, it's a proclamation about everything. It touches all our being. It makes all our life. And so this phrase, God with us, is the one in which we want to consider today. Is What does it mean to say that Emmanuel, God with us? And if you want to trace this, point seven um, will be, uh, how does that create an us with God? That God has restored us in some way. Uh, to start, we'll just read the quote that's on the back of the margin. Uh, the subject matter origin and content of the message received and proclaimed by the Christian community as it is heart the act of the faithfulness of God in which he takes the lost cause of humanity who denies him as creator and in doing so and in doing so ruined himself as creature and makes it his own in Jesus Christ carrying it through to its goal and in that way maintaining and manifesting his glory in the world if you wanted to, to, this is Bart's way of summarizing what's going to happen in this section, and you'll see it in that, in that God takes this on, and that manifests his glory in the world, um, and it's the faithfulness of God which does this. Um, it's, it's how God is faithful to humanity. He takes on this lost cause. He takes on this destruction, um, and then he makes it his own um, and carrying it to its goal. Um, This is a sentence you could take apart for a long time um, and begin to think about what does each of these things mean. Um, For for Bart, at the the start of the section, and this is, uh, his dogmatics takes 
this is four. He never wrote five. He died before it was finished. 31 volumes, and he didn't finish what he was saying. Actually, the older one is 14 volumes, but uh, he, he says at the start of this is that what he's taking up in this doctrine of reconciliation. So the previous three, uh, which is like six or eight books, is on creation, and the previous one to that is on um, uh, the word and, and, and how Christ comes to us. And so you have these sort of movements. Uh, he never wrote the one on last things, but he says what he's taking up in four uh, is the atonement, and it forms the center of the circumference of the circle at which we look out. If you want to understand the doctrine of creation and the doctrine of last things, you have to move into this doctrine of reconciliation. That God reconciles us, it forms a center at which we can look out to the rest of it. That we take up the space here, and then we can see the circumference of what does it mean that we're a part of God's creation, and what does it mean that we are awaiting a consummation as well. These, these being the three sort of major acts of most um, uh, church uh, dogmatic writings, uh, uh, creation, redemption, and eschatologically, or last things, or, or um, reconcil- uh, the ultimate reconciliation, that which comes at the end. And he says that we, we move into the center of this, and from here everything else becomes visible. We're going to end with this notion, but he says that this is the basis of Christian faith, hope, and love. That this is the basis of that. And, and so oftentimes we think of faith hope, and love as categories which we can apply to other things rather than which are faith in Jesus Christ. And as words, they function that way. Um, but he says that it's, it's perhaps for us to consider that, that the basis of our faith, hope, and love is what comes out of this doctrine of reconciliation, of redemption, of God coming for us and being for us. So point one, and I'm going to do my best to move uh, quickly through this. For the, for the first um, point uh, that Bart wants to make, and I think for us to hear, is that he describes this as a, an event. He describes this as a history thing. That God does this is something that happens in real space and time. And he says in this way that, that we are witnesses to this event. We become witnesses to this event in hearing of this good news. And it tells of this invasion into history. Emmanuel, God with us, tells of this invasion into history. The, um, I never liked God Rescue Merry Gentlemen because of tidings of comfort and joy. I always thought it was just cheesy holiday language. And then you listen to the, the, the lyrics, which I finally started to do when I turned 30. I don't know why. Um, but to rescue us from Satan's power. It's a song about apocalyptic warfare. It's a a song about the way in which God is taking and freeing us out of this place. That that what Bert says is it's an event which is this history, which is an invasion into our space and time. That Emmanuel, God with us, proclaims that there is uh, God moving into the realm of human relations in which a way that sort of breaks open the world. In this way, it's a report about ourselves. It involves ourselves as God um, takes up this space. This is where that, that one of the phrases I repeat often, but that God refuses to be God without us is one of these phrases we get from this section of the dogmatics. But it's, it's that God, in Emmanuel, God with us, 
in his coming into the world in Jesus Christ, refuses to be God without us. Point two, he continues, here he works and wills a particular thing. Creation proclaims this grace and that we are all existent in. The last things is something that all will be caught up in. But what happens in this one is a particular thing. This is, uh, we talked about in Genesis, the scandal of particularity in calling Abraham. That God, when he invades history, takes up form with one person in Abraham and calls out one people. So too, with Jesus, he takes up form in the particular form of one man in history. That God takes up this place and this residence in the particularity of something. It's about this one's existence. It's about this one in, in space and time. It's a special act that contains the end of all history as well. It's an act that, that sort of proclaims where everything is going is towards this reconciliation with Jesus Christ. That God with us proclaims that God is not abandoning this space. In the particularity, he takes that up. The third is that it is a message of redemption. It is a means of redemptive grace. It is this way in which we are brought back into fellowship with God. It's not just an event that happens. It's not just particular in its form, but it's a mean by which we are brought back into relationship with God. It is redemptive in this way. This is, uh, Bart has this phrase in this section that salvation is eschatological, uh, is last things. It's, it's, the uh, it's the way in which we move into where we are going. It is the end in the present, is that as we come into knowing Jesus, as we come into knowing Emmanuel, God with us, it is the end of, of the ways in which we try to fulfill ourselves, but it becomes something in the present. The fourth one is, is salvation is the goal. He makes a partner to receive it. God makes something here. This is, in Bart's way, in, in the Christian way of looking at this, when we recite the creed, we say, um, in both the apostles and Nicaea, Father before we say creator. That God has elected in history himself to already not abandon humanity. So often I think our ways of conceiving of the, the drama of salvation as, as if God created and then there's a break and then God has this choice whether to redeem or not to redeem, but God's good so he redeems us. When in fact that this has been in works all along that God has bound himself to people. That this represents the goal of what God has intended to do. And so we say we believe in God, the Father, the creator of heaven and earth, the almighty creator of heaven and earth. We proclaim that first God wanted to be in, in parental relationship to us. God wanted to be Father first, even before creator. Um, that's part of what we conceive when we come to Emmanuel, God with us. The fifth, he says, and this is a, a, an interesting turn, is that he says that we have turned and rejected this. It's noticeable that, that um, many of our salvation stories, our tracks, our way of explaining the gospel, begin with bad news. Um, what, what this journey of Emmanuel with God with us is, is showing us is that there are steps before the bad news. 
And those steps begin with a God who has bound himself to us in an event, a God who wants to be with us, a God who claims to be near us and wants to be near us. And so when we get to that we have turned astray, we're further into knowing this God. Now, I've long proclaimed, and I still agree, that the entry to which we take into becoming Christians sometimes begins with an acknowledgement of um, seeing brokenness in ourselves and in the world. But oftentimes, when we really think about it, it comes from goodness first, that we hear of the goodness of the God who wants to be near us that shows us our brokenness. It shows us the ways in which we've done that. And here, we, we can turn to Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son, in which the, the one who finds himself, um, who's tried to invent his own way, tried to become his own thing, finds himself in the far-off country and, and can return with only the phrase, Father, I have sinned. That Emmanuel, God with us, acknowledges that we've turned astray that we have rejected the gift. I'm reading the, the Brothers Karamazov again for the second time, although I've read the first f- four books like 18 times because it's defeated me so many times, that book. Um, but one of the phrases um, that Ivan uses in the scene with the Grand Inquisitor is that he rejects the ticket. It's not so much that he regre- rejects God, that he rejects the ticket. That see, he even can conceive in his form of atheism, that God is, is, is good and gracious and wants redemption and reconciliation. But because he says in the suffering of one child, he rejects what God has done. In this rereading through it, I missed that the end of this is the first book. For some reason, the sermon is only about long books for some. Um, at the end of this book, he talks the second story after Ivan ends talking to his brother about this, this, this notion in which God has failed us. Tells the story of the other father in the book, Father Zosima. And I always missed that that story is it tells Zosima is the elder monk who dies right before this scene or after the scene. But um, it tells the story of how Zosima's life begins with the death of his brother. And then Zosima goes out to become a saint or a holy man because of that. And, and I missed that the challenge of the death of a child, in Ivan's, Ivan's sense, he proclaims the death of ch- children that he doesn't know and doesn't care about, but in some sense brings him to being able to reject the goodness of God, to live in the far country away from Emmanuel, God with us. And Zosima, in watching the death of his brother, aims to live in love with creation aims to fall in love with it. He, he often is found in different scenes weeping on the ground. And it gives him relationship to sinful humanity in which he wants to, to um, forgive their sins and offenses. He wants to be near them. And so in this way, God with us creates that space for us to be either those who continue to live in the far country of our existence, um, rejecting what the Father has already had in store for us, if you remember that story, or those who turn from the pig slop, return home with only the words to say, Father, I have sinned. Six, um, uh, here he, he um, turns to, to, to that, that, that God is the one who fulfills this in himself at his own cost and in his own way. 
He becomes man to suffer the loss and consequences that we ourselves deserve. He, he vindicates us and brings it, and brings it to God, and, and this is where seven turns, and so we glorify in participating in his being. Because Jesus became man, Emmanuel, God with us. And, and if you remember the Christmas Eve sermon from Pope Leo the Great um, in the second or third century, he said a line that uh, Lisa reminded me of was that if he was only God, he would have no model for us. And if he were only man, he couldn't have saved us. If he were only God, he couldn't instruct us in the ways to be in the world. If he were only man... His, his good life wouldn't have been able to rescue us from our sin and darkness. Here is, is um, where I think that, that wonderful phrase of what is the gospel is that God does for us which we can't do for ourselves is number six. Is that God takes on this form and achieves and accomplishes what we ourselves cannot do for ourselves. That God redeems us in this way. And so Bart then turns in seven to say that this is where we turn to um, this we with God. Um, that because God has done this, because God has elected and come in this way, we become those who can have God participate in our being, that God can heal and instruct in our lives. Um, he goes back, funny enough, and, and uh, points to how all this is only possible in Jesus Christ. It's in this particular history of this one man and one person that this becomes possible. The name of Jesus Christ covers the whole power of the Christian message because it indicates the whole of its content, because at its part, which is normative for the whole, is a message about him, and therefore a message about the event of that God with us. It's in this person whose birth we celebrate in this Christmas season that we see this God with us, that God has come here. And so he says, we become those who proclaim out of the depths in our being brought into God, this us with God, this being brought into it. We become those who out of the depths proclaim Christian faith, hope, and love. We can't create or posit or deceive these things. They come, and they come in a way that allows us to magnify God. This is what we see in Mary's story. My soul magnifies the Lord. It only comes out of this relationship in which God has come to be with us that we are able to be with God. I'll end with this, this final quote, which I think nails this end at which Bart is, has been pointing us to and which I think we are pointing to when we say, God with us. This we with God, enclosed in the God with us, is the Christian faith, Christian love, and Christian hope. These are the magnifying of the grace of God, which still remain to us, remain to us as something specifically human, as the greatest thing of all, as action in the truest sense of the word. We do not forget that as a matter of magnifying God out of the depths, our magnifying of God can only be that of the transgressors and rebels that we are, those who have messed with their destiny and perverted and wasted their being, life, and activity. Therefore, our magnifying of God cannot seek and find and have in its truth and power in itself, but only in God. And therefore, in that one man whom God is for us, who is our peace and salvation. 
Our faith, therefore, can only be faith in him and cannot live except from him as its object. Our love can only be by him and be strong from him as it is its basis. Our hope can only be hope directed upon him. It can only be certain hope as its content. Our faith, hope, and love, and we ourselves, however strong we may be, however strong may be our faith, hope, and live, live only on that which we cannot create, posit, awaken, or desire." This is the last one. And although our believing and loving and hoping themselves are as in such themselves, they are not of us, but of their object, basic basis, and content of God, who in one man not only answers for us him, but answers for himself with us, who gives it to us in freedom that we may believe, love, hope, open e- eyes ears and hearts for himself and his work, knowledge to the foolish, obedience to the word, freedom to the bound life, to the victims of death, and all in such a way that the glory of our own being, life, and activity is still his and can be valued and exalted and respected by his only, uh, by his only as, as his, but all in such a way that, that in and with his glory we too can really uh, we too are really exalted because in the depths of where we can only give him glory, we find our true and proper place. It is this way in this sense that the Christian community claims we with God when it proclaims God with us. That the basis of all that we do comes out of this mystery, this proclamation which I've been trying to center us on today, our faithing, our hoping, and loving only comes on the basis of God with us. And because out of the depths we can do that, we proclaim we with God. Let us pray. And instructed us, taken up residency in the world, become in lot with man to heal us for our sake for us and for our salvation. We ask that our hearts and minds and spirits can be open to the news of God with us. And what's proclaimed in Isaiah, what happens in the manger, is the truth of the massive gift in which you have determined yourself to be with us and for us. In our turning away, We think we grasp what is creative and interesting and good. And yet you say yet and nevertheless, and remain with us and redeem us. And in the depths, as we return and say, Father, I have sinned, you heal in our spirits. You take us into yourself in the way that you took on our story and estate. And you redeem and create in us the space that Christian faith, hope, and love can thrive. We ask this all in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.